Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary, a podcast for women in ministry and leadership. We hope you'll leave today's conversation knowing that you've found a community of women who understand the dynamics of your ministry life, in marriage, in family, and in the day-to-day. We want you to finish strong, so let's talk and let's redefine sanctuary. Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary. I'm Bridget Tomlin, your host, and I'm humbled that you would give us this time today. I truly believe that it's a valuable investment of your time as we're welcoming back to the podcast one of my friends from way back, Ashley Simmons. Ashley joined us on the podcast back in early 2022, episode 36, about being married to the strengths and weaknesses of your ministry husband. It was such an incredible conversation. I'll share the link to that episode in today's show notes. But today, I've asked her back as I want to draw some insight on her experience and success in ministering to women, whether you're actively engaged in leading a women's ministry or personally involved in a local church women's ministry, or simply a woman yourself, let me encourage you to lean into this content. And to our male listeners who are married or even pastoring women, this is going to be a great resource for you as well. Last year, we featured an episode each quarter on the subject of ministry to women, and each of those episodes was so well received. And this is a conversation I plan to have often as this lane of ministry continues to evolve. So let's welcome Ashley and get started. Ashley Simmons lives in Fairhope, Alabama and serves on staff at Coastal Church in Daphne, Alabama as the counseling coordinator and women's director. She's a mom to Cole, who's 21. He's a pre-med student in his senior year at Mississippi College. And Kennedy, she's 20, serving on a worship internship at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. Ashley and her husband, Tim, celebrated their 25th anniversary this summer. And he also serves at Coastal Church as the executive pastor. They have been married and in ministry for 25 years. Ashley, so glad to have you back here at Let's Talk with Sanctuary. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here, Bridget. Well, I'm excited to kind of unpack this again. You know, I was telling my husband even yesterday just uh, about how many conversations that I'm hearing about women in general these days. It seems to be something that's at the forefront, not just of our culture at large, but at the forefront of the church culture. There's a lot of conversation about women in ministry, about women co-leading with males, what that looks like for women, what it looks like for a woman to be a lead pastor. So many different conversations that are being had and some of them excite me. Some of them kind of disturb me a little bit because I think that we can get a little bit off balance when it comes to pushing women to the forefront because sometimes women don't handle leadership roles as well. God designed some of these things to be in balance and in check for a reason. And so that's not the focus of our conversation, but I do want us to um, bring some balance a little bit today when it comes to specifically the role of ministry to women within the local church. So Ashley, kind of share a little bit of your own history with women's ministries. Were you a participant uh, in women's ministries before you were in leadership? What drew you to this particular role? Yeah, well, Actually, um, I grew up in a church where the pastor, he really championed his wife in ministry. Um, It was not uncommon for her to preach a sermon on a Sunday night, and we saw nothing odd or strange about that at all. We actually thought it was very normal, and um, just like you're talking about, there are so many conversations out there with it, but 
I feel like they had such a great balance of it. She was a great women's ministry director and we, we didn't really talk about women's ministry as much as we do now. It was just kind of the way it was. It was a part of the church. So she right. had women's events and different things. I felt like I was blessed to be a part of that and see the healthy version of a pastor and pastor's wife and women's director in that role. And um, it was not until I stepped in to be the lead pastor's wife at a church that I had to make the decision, okay, I see a need, you know, I need to have a place of connection and community for these women to empower them, to give them a place to connect. And so it wasn't, I didn't really feel like it was a calling at that time. I, I just felt like I was meeting a need, which it turned into, you know, something that I knew that God had called me to do. So that's kind of where it started. That was my history. And that is how I've stepped into it. It's so good. And I, I've said this often here recently, Ashley, where there were so many things that were uh, organic at one time that now it seems that we are having to kind of manufacture them. And so I think that marrying what you're talking about is such an incredible thing to bring into today's 21st century, because there were some things that we didn't have to work that hard at. Now, in some cultures and in some even regions of our nation, they're going to have to work a little bit harder at pulling that off what you're your childhood history was with your pastor and his wife. Right. But I just think that that's, that's a super amazing thing. And it's something that obviously is, is fueling you as you're moving and, and, and evolving in this role, even at Coastal Church there and Daphne. I think that ministry to women is so varied and diverse. So there's really no one size fits all. Right. And so that's kind of, I feel like today, even as we are um, talking, we're going to have to, we're probably going to draw with some pretty broad strokes uh, and ask the Holy Spirit to maybe reveal some different things that are a little bit more pertinent to individual situations from these broad umbrellas. But even as I reached out on a poll in our sanctuary social media community, there were some women's ministries in perhaps like rural America that looked very similar to what was happening in my home church as a child and teenager multiple decades mm-hmm. ago. And it's still working in some of those smaller communities. And I, I, I want to encourage that. I really want to encourage that. If it's working, keep doing it. Right. Um, and then there was some feedback that was very pared down. Some of it due to lack of leadership availability or just a different focus for their local church's vision. So talk to us a little bit about what you have found to be effective in the various church ministries where you and Tim have served. Cause I want to talk about diversity in methodology. Yes, you are so right about there is not a one size fits all. I think budget is probably a big part of it when it comes to big events, but you can have a thriving ministry without costly events. I've always been blessed to be under leadership who loves women's ministry and values women's ministry, but I do know that there are churches that do not acknowledge it, you know, in the budget when it comes down to it. They don't really acknowledge the women's ministry in that, and I know in those cases, I would I would say just make opportunities for women. I love a big, fun, inspiring event. I do. I love it. But there are times that that we have to be creative and we have to create community 
among women without that. I think that's okay. Just like you're saying, it's different in different areas. The Bible studies, they strengthen women. They bring them closer. They give them opportunities to really get to know each other. And I know video, I'm, I'm talking budget here first, but the video studies, they can be costly. I know that they can, but something that I... I ran into when I was at a smaller church and we didn't have a big budget for that. I couldn't go out and buy a $200 Bible study. So I called a local church that was a lot larger and they had a library in their church of Bible studies, video Bible studies, and they let you come and check them out and uh, then return them when you were done with it. And I thought, what a huge blessing. So if you're listening and you are a larger church Think about doing that for your uh, the churches in your community. And uh, if you are a small church, check out the larger churches and see if that's an option for you. And it's just, it's some of those things that they don't have to be barriers. I would say create stages of life groups. You know, you, if you have young moms in the church, they really want to be around other young moms and raise their babies together and uh, just make a play date for them, make a life stage group for them go to the park and play and maybe you have older ladies that we have a shawl making group so they go to the church they knit together and they pray over them and then they deliver them to the sick to let them know hey we're praying for you we've made this for you and it's just you know inexpensive small things but it brings so much community together you're helping people minister when maybe they think they can't so I will just say the the big costly things are so much fun. Um, and if you can do them, do them. But if you can't, don't get too down about it. There are so many ways that you can help women. That's so, so good. And and really, that's the, the value even in, in and of itself. I mean, even as you're speaking about that um, support system from larger churches to smaller and vice versa, there's some value that could, connection opportunities. Of course, that's what Sanctuary is all about is encouraging yes. women to connect with other women in ministry. And that's another opportunity, another reason, if you will, to call and say, I really would like to draw from, you know, what you're doing in women's ministries. I would, could I connect with you? Could we meet up for coffee? I mean, there's just, there's so many good reasons to intentionally reach out. And I think that's a beautiful partnership for sure. So what do you believe cross-culturally is the most widespread need when ministering to women in the 21st century? Well, this is a big question and it probably has a lot of answers, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you my opinion on this. I think the biggest need for women is uh, knowing who they are in Christ. The reason I say that is once you have the confidence of knowing, hey, God loves me. He created me for this time, for this season. You know, I have a calling on my life and he will equip me for what he's asked me to do. Then I feel like you could really make um, a difference in circles. You know, as Christian women, we don't have the confidence that the world sees. It's not about you know, vanity. I feel like there's so much vanity right now. It's, it's not about vanity. It's not about being an influencer on social media. It's, it's really about being an influencer by walking the walk and being a faithful friend, a loving mother or supportive wife. Basically bearing the fruits of the spirit is, is what I believe we, we need to invest into women. It's a flip of the script and it changes our perspective because instead of saying, I could never do that, or, you know, you begin to say, 
I don't have to do all of this alone. It's not about me. It's not about my own strengths or my capabilities. And uh, it's about my obedience. And I'm really, Bridget, talking to myself (laughs) about this. I've had to tell myself many, many times in every role that I've ever had in a church, that very statement that it is not about me. And it is not about Am I, you know, am I capable of it? If he's called me, then he trusts that I am capable with his strength. So, so, so many times I don't feel creative enough or skilled enough or capable enough. I tell myself that I say, okay, I'm equipped. God surrounded me with people who have strengths that I don't have. Yes, women need community. They need support, but they also need that foundation of knowing who they are in Christ because it won't be enough just to have a lot of great friends if they don't know who God created them to be and just have that confidence to walk in. So I think that's a really important thing. I completely agree. That's just foundational. Start from here. This is point A. You got to figure out who you are. And goodness, if there's a topic right now that is just so pervasive in, in our society, it, it's about identity. Right. And ironically, that's something that God addressed from the very beginning of time of who you are. And and some of that uh, confusion happened through the hands of Eve and has been slowly trickling down throughout the generations. And there's nothing, as they say, nothing new under the sun. So these things are very, very core and foundational. I have a dear friend who's involved in women's ministry, and she's known for saying, you were born on purpose, for a purpose, and you have a destiny to fulfill. And, you know, it sounds like a great little catchphrase until you start picking that apart Mm -hmm. and realizing how many, uh, as general rule, even those of uh, who may be perceived as having so much confidence or or self-equipped you know, capabilities, they're having to look themselves in the mirror on time, on occasion and say that same thing. I was born on purpose. I -hmm. have a purpose. I have Mm -hmm. a destiny to fulfill Mm -hmm. and God believes I can do that, right? Yes, you're so right. The greatest gift you could give to your ministry wife, colleagues and community is the gift of a resource designed expressly for them. Something that reminds them they aren't doing this ministry life alone. Sharing Sanctuary is the greatest compliment you can give to our team as we desire to love you, support you, resource you, and connect you with other women in ministry across this nation and around the world. We want to go a little bit deeper. So share today's episode with a ministry wife you care about. Subscribe at our site so you don't miss a thing. And discover Sanctuary social media groups on both Facebook and Instagram. We can't wait to connect with you. So let's get a little bit more zeroed in here on the how, you know, the practical elements of getting women together, organizing events that are female focused, and then fostering a community that is truly connected, not catty, not gossipy. So share with us about your women's ministry team structure, Ashley, who does what, how do you decide what goes on the calendar, those kinds of things. Yes, I love this. Um, I will answer this this question and tell you that I'm walking through all of this right now. So I have a an on-time answer for this one. Um, I'm going to answer this in part. So practically speaking, I would say um, you should meet with the pastor or pastor's wife and get an idea on the, on the budget, the parameters of the events. Um, small groups or whatever pertains to this. And I know there are going to be many pastor's wives listening to this um, who are the women's director. That's a a lot of times the role of 
the pastor's wife. I'm very blessed that my pastor's wife asked me to come on board and um, lead this. I was you know, honored that she would ask me because she knew that I loved it so much and felt called to it. So I submit to their leadership. And, you know, that's the first thing I would say is go, you know, honor them with what, what their plans are for the church. You know, God led them to be the, the shepherds. They are the leaders of the church. So I think you should fall under that leadership. Um, and there may be a system already in place um, that you could also connect with, like we have a groups ministry and uh, your church may call it a life group or small group or whatever your title is for that. We have a groups ministry that have multiple women's ministry, small groups, marriage, you know, connect groups of so many kinds. So I always connect with them as well. I feel like it needs to be a partnership of all things going on. I, I feel like it doesn't have to be so departmentalized. You know, everyone can kind of connect with each other and figure things out. So I would say just connect with any department in your church that has anything to do with women and just kind of do it together and help each other out. As far as the connection without the caddy, I love how you said that. A lot of times I have noticed that choosing a leader to be in that circle who who doesn't really um, lend an ear to that or stand for that is really a great way to stop it because if if that activity is going on and the leader is not participating in it or doesn't lend ear or give comment to it, it makes people doing it uncomfortable. So I think it kind of corrects itself if you have someone who is willing to make it an uncomfortable situation, basically. That's the easiest way and the best way to, to get a, a group of women together and just make it wholesome. As far as team structure, I will just go point by point here of how I think the structure should be. Um, you need a women's director, whoever that is, should be responsible as the point person to communicate know the expectations of the leadership team, and then build a team. And building a team can feel very overwhelming. It, it was for me too. I can tell you that it was just a challenge for me, but I have a few women that I call on when we have events who are creative, who have a heart for women's ministry as well, and have a godly character. And that's just my small circle within. And uh, just this week, as we were, we were planning the upcoming event we went to dinner together and just bounced some ideas off of each other and hey what do you think about this what do you think about that and it really is the smaller circle that gets the ball rolling and then at the event I gather more women to do different things it's easier for me to give you an example in the spring we had a big um, coastal women's night well we had 32 tables of women so I gathered 32 women to host the table and the responsibility was not that great. They didn't have to come up with the ideas or they didn't have to make sure everything was set up or anything like that. Their responsibility was to host the table, love on the women and be available for them. So I would say ask other people to help. You don't have to prove that you can do it alone. And in fact, you want other people's opinion at the table. You know, sometimes <laughs> the reason I have not asked for help in certain situations is because it's easier just to do it myself at times 
but in the long run, it ends up biting me. <laughs> so that is not the best way. You do not want to be a Lone Ranger in women's ministry. You need to surround yourself with women who have gifts and talents that maybe you don't have. And uh, your ministry will, in the long run, be stronger and healthier. And uh, you don't have to do it all by yourself. And you shouldn't have to. And lastly, this is a long answer, I know. <laughs> lastly, on the calendaring, um, I'm flexible with the calendar because we have so much going on in our church. And um, just in, as, as an example, we usually have a spring event and a fall event, but due to some circumstances, we had to change that around. And um, I wanted to be flexible for the leadership and the staff. And so instead of having the big event this fall, we're going to do monthly small gatherings that are, you know, a beach day and a craft day and different things that are a little bit out of the box of what we had normally done. So I would say with the calendaring, be flexible and turn your stuff in so people know what you're thinking and what's going on. I think communication is huge in the church world and um, just every department being really clear with the other ones of knowing what you're doing because no one's a mind reader and it's just respectful to put things out there for people to prepare. That's what I would say on calendaring. Oh, I think that's all so fantastic and um, so insightful. It's so important and practical for us to consider, as you said, even just from the very beginning, honoring the leadership, the shepherds of your church, whether you agree with everything or if you agree with their perspective on the value or the place of ministry to women or any departmental ministry for that matter. God will always honor our individual efforts if we remain loyal and complicit with the, 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 the bigger picture of the local church and whatever ministry it is that you're trying to develop. And I think that there's a blessing and favor that comes from the Lord himself when you're able to not be um, snarky or disrespectful uh, or, or, or push an agenda. We, you know, if the agenda doesn't serve the bigger picture, um, it's, it, it's of zero value. It doesn't add value to the body. And I used to be on staff at a church here locally and as the administrative pastor oversaw all the departmental ministries. And um, I frequently would meet with these departmental leaders and talk with them about the things that they had vision, try to pump vision into them for the things that they specifically wanted to do in their particular lanes of, of oversight. And one of the biggest things that, I mean, I'm just basically adding an, a stamp of approval to what you're talking about, even in regards to the calendar, because the calendar is the big deal. It's the yeah. big deal. Yeah. And everybody's vying for all those spaces. <laughs> now they don't change throughout the year. They're the exact same number every single year. And some years that pastor's going to have something more specific that he has in mind that may deter from what you did last year. Right. And so as a general rule, even when it came to calendar planning as a staff coming up in the summer, you were looking towards the new year and putting things in. And it was like, these are the main things that are going to go on the calendar. Everything else is just submitted as a request. 
And some things, some of those requests were honored and some of them, it was, they were tabled. They weren't dismissed, but they were tabled depending on how things were going to shake out. And you want to have some measure of flexibility. We say often the church does business, but they are not a business. The Holy Spirit has to have room to adjust and, and speak to that shepherd's heart in January if he wants to shift something in February. And all of these departmental, supposedly departmental ministries fall underneath that leadership. But in in, in reference specifically to submitting the things that God has put on your heart or even just creative ideas that are not necessarily um, something that you can say, the Holy Spirit spoke to me to do this, mm -hmm. but just something that you're like, I think this would really be beneficial. More information gets you a lot farther down that road of actually putting it on the church's calendar. Uh, you need to answer as many questions as possible, especially if these things are going before a church board. I know a lot of times, especially for those bigger event ticket items where the budget's a little bit larger, perhaps it's not falling in the departmental's budget, but it's going to have to be approved by the board, those kinds of things. The more questions you ask up front, the why, the when, the logistics, but most importantly, what it's going to cost and really be honest with yourself on what it's going to cost. Those are things that are going to earn you trust in the long haul. And then you get an easier signature farther down, you know, as, as things keep coming back. Talk to us a little bit about that. How do you submit a calendar request? How do you typically do that? I know your church is a little bit larger than maybe the average church, but let's talk about that a little bit. Big picture of what it means to submit something. What kind of details do you include if we're just going to start splitting hairs here? We actually have a calendar request form and we have a, a creative form. So we, we have a very administrative department who, who handles all that. And they have a form that we fill out that has exactly what you just said, when, where, how, how much, you know, there's, there's a form for everything basically. So it's, it's there for us you know, and we're just asked to submit it 90 days in advance and put it into the leadership. And so there's a request form for the calendar for the creative part of, because a lot of times we don't think about what it's going to take. I'm not an in the details person as much as I am big picture, but the little details are the things that everyone else has to know, like the creative department, if they need to make graphics for your advertisement if they need to set up a form for people to pay for a t-shirt I mean all the little details are so there's so many um, and just having a checklist you know if you're if your church does not have a form you fill out maybe you can have just a basic checklist of things that you need to think through and um, check them off one at a time and that way you can have the same response with every request. It would just help you out and help you stay organized if you have that. Yes, and that's so beneficial to the people that are signing um, approval of things like this, whether you have, like you're talking about a, a significant system in place, people that are already on staff at your church that are overseeing those administrative details. And that is so vital when you're in an organization of that size. And it's really almost more vital when you're an organization that is smaller because it's usually a handful of people that are mm -hmm. doing everything. Right. And so 
you know, we do forget. We, we sometimes overlook what it takes to really pull these things off, regardless of the size of your church or your ministry. And, and the more mediums of communication that we have now have actually complicated this so much more. <laughs> and so it's not just good enough to, you know, stick the, the poster on the, on the church's bulletin board these days. Even uh, smaller churches are making use of social media and, and you have to have the graphics and you got to have the video and, you know, all these different things. And so it does, it, it adds up in the mechanics of behind the scenes before you even start setting up the tables and chairs. And so thinking about those things and if your church does not have a form like that or doesn't require those things, if you begin to implement those things, it's first of all, it's only going to help you as you're planning that event. It's not going to be, it's definitely going to be a value to you as an event planner, especially if that's not something that you specialize in. But uh, it will be so beneficial to those that are helping you pull this off, making it everything that you had hoped it would be, and to help fulfill that success goal that you have. Okay, so sometimes budget is a common limitation for executing some of the ministry ventures God's laid on your heart. And you spoke about this earlier. With our current economy, I think that sometimes I hear so many leaders saying everything's so expensive. So how does a women's ministry leader bypass the budget hurdle to remain on the cutting edge? Flexibility on this is also necessary in creativity. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we do is just do activities like this season. We're going to have some groups that the women can sign up for and pay you know, I mentioned it earlier about the craft night. So we're, we're going to all come together and have a craft night and everyone pays for their own. But then we'll have a big event where the, the church, the budget is in order for. Um, so we have things that are free, but we also have things that each lady can pay for. And it's not unreasonable to ask for a $10 ticket if you want to have an event at your church and you don't have to have a big name speaker. Maybe there's someone in your church who would like to, you know, share their heart. And of course you have looked at them and you know that they're capable of doing that. I would say that would be the first thing to do, but um, there are many ways that you can bypass the, the big ticket items. And even as an example, we're doing a back to school breakfast for moms And we are basically going through all of our things and we are recycling and we have, you know, I think you collect a million vases for a million different things and you come up with a different theme and a different idea and a different vision. Well, sometimes you need to tone down (laughs) the creativity and just use what you have and uh, be a good steward of that. So I think either charge a little bit. I mean, if you put it into perspective, Honestly, it it costs at least $10 or more to go to fast food. And so I think people can afford a small amount and just maybe keep the big ticket items that are on budget uh, for the church and then fill in where you can and be creative with recycling. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's going to look great. It's going to be up to the standards of what you usually pull off, but you're not having to spend a ton of money on it. Spot on. And, you know, something that I have found so many um, ministry leaders fail to overlook, uh, fail to, to take advantage of is that there are, are businesses in your local community that have budgets to sponsor certain types of events. So if there's something specifically that you're doing that might connect with the customer base of a local business, 
reaching out and saying, listen, we're hosting a breakfast for moms coming up and you need to think about it in advance. You can't do it next week. You got to think about it in advance, but that's the value of having your annual calendar and, you know, at least that, that loose structure in place, but being able to say, we're doing this, you know, in 90 days. And would you be willing to sponsor with, by providing these products or could you provide a giveaway, you know, different things like that. There are so many things that you can do if you'll just ask. And I'm in the opinion, all they can do is say no. There's a lot of, of grocery stores, even in some of our local communities that are happy to to help supply the budget for all this this section of the groceries for this particular event, different things like that. And of course, I'm always like, we'll give you props in our event promotion. You know, all the, you can do all kinds of things to make use and to also support local businesses and then keep that budget in check. Love that so much. Okay, so when it comes to discipleship, what role does your church's ministry to women play in growing the new convert or the young in the faith? Let's talk about discipleship. As I said earlier, we have a group's uh, ministry and it is our whole actually department. Someone oversees that. And so we have several um, women's groups available for Bible study and spiritual growth. And so I feel like our group's ministry covers that. And I do work alongside her with the, you know, helping promote groups or pushing people towards a certain group that I feel like is beneficial for whatever area they're in. So it's more of a a church as a whole and not a ministry, women's ministry department thing. So with discipleship, you can help as the ministry, uh, women's ministry leader, but there's probably something in place that you can partner, that you can partner with. Yeah, that's good. You know, if something's already being done, don't add that to your plate. Right. (laughs) It's just because you've always had a women's Bible study in these months of every year doesn't mean that you have to, and we have to consider the, the, the family's calendar. Things are so busy for so many people and families right now, especially, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you this, Ashley, I know that you've noticed this, but women as a general rule tend to put their own personal preferences for their family's calendar last on the list. Yeah. So they're going to make sure that the kids get to all of their things, that they've worked around their husband's schedule, that he's been able to do this. And there's usually not an advocate in the family that says, mom, you should go do this. Right. Or, Honey, you should go be a part of that. And so it, you have to be real specific on the things that you are putting on the calendar that's specifically for women, making sure that each of those things are very much something that she's, she finds value in for herself. That's worth trumping everything else for the family. And we provide so many things for the family through our church's calendars. And so we have to be careful that we don't overschedule. Totally agree on that. It's an interesting dynamic to get women to come together. So what are some of the things right now, just as we are closing, that maybe there's something else that you want to share about this, maybe something that you have found to be really important, or maybe that's really on the forefront of what your women's ministry team is confronting right now, or maybe trying to solve a problem or a dilemma. Yeah, well, just as I talked earlier about the the budgeting and the calendaring and all of that, I think we want to make sure that we have something available, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to trump the last thing. Like, I think sometimes we're in this role and we think, oh, we did that last year. We have to make this year as good as or better than, and I think we get in that dynamic in our head, but 
I think doing something is better than doing nothing. And um, it doesn't have to be bigger and better than the last event. And women honestly want a place to gather. They want a place to fit in and just be relatable. And I, I don't think that we have to overcomplicate it. I just think we have to be the vehicle to get them there. So make space for women, love them where they are. And I, I think that's what they need. And I, I would just say, if you're leading women, it's not an easy thing to do at times. Give yourself some grace, onboard people to help you. And that's, that's the biggest encouragement I, because I've tried to do things alone so many times. I didn't want to bother people. I wanted to prove that I was capable, whatever, whatever the scenario was, I've learned that asking people for help is the most healthy thing that you can do. And honestly, it blesses their life. They want to be a part of it. They want to be part of something, you know, bigger than themselves. And not everyone will jump at your ideas, but you have to keep in mind, you're not, you're not doing this for the applause of man. You're doing this to serve God and just be obedient to what he's called you to do. Lean into him, trust him, and he'll give you what you need. So, so good. And I think that that is so valuable to consider. You know, I think that it's something when you're talking about forming a team, it, it's harder to do that before it gets easier. Would you agree? I totally agree with that. Yes. Just because you ask somebody for help, I hear so many, and I've experienced this myself, you know, when you try to delegate and you think that you've really done the right thing and you've tried so hard to rely, you know, because you're trying to not be a solo uh, gig and then somebody drops the ball and it's on you and you got to pull a rabbit out of a hat at the last minute because she didn't come through. That does not mean that it's going to be that kind of experience every single time. So you do have to, it's a little bit of trial and error process of figuring out who you can trust, who you can rely upon, but it is a God called purpose to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And as a Western mindset, sometimes we get a little bit too top driven and that's not our, our ultimate scripturally driven goal is to equip the body to do the work of the ministry. And the only way to do that is just to kind of muddle through those little complicated processes and make sure that we are showing them, teaching them how to be faithful, how to follow through, when to show up, when, you know, it's a little bit like parenting sometimes to, or herding of the sheep, right. but it is, it does pay off in the long term. We've, we've seen those systems when they are functioning at high capacity and it's a beautiful thing to see. Just takes a little bit of work to get there. You're right. And it does. It takes a long time and it, you, you have to deal with some rejection. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of rejection of, you know, I don't have time for that. Um, or maybe they just don't show up just as you said, but that is, you have to weed through a lot of that to get to the jewels. I mean, there are, there are women who are just treasures in my life that have been the blessing of a lot of the ministry just by asking and getting rejected by five people. But these two people that came along, I mean, they are yeah. lifelong friends. So it's, uh, it really is. It's tougher in the beginning and so beneficial at the end. So, so good. Thank you, Ashley, for this. I think this is a valuable, practical conversation that we want to just keep having when it comes to just encouraging ministry leaders. People are people. And we are people, <laughs> so yes. sometimes we're that to somebody else, but ultimately our goal is, as you say, to please the Lord and to serve his people. And so thank you so much for doing that so faithfully and uh, for sharing your heart for women's ministries today with us. 
When it comes to sanctuary, nothing embodies all that we are all about quite like our annual Let's Retreats. And this year, we are offering two back-to-back events, something we have never done before. Why offer two and not just make room for more women at one? It's because Sanctuary Let's Retreat events are kept intentionally small. The number of guests at each of these events makes way for authentic connection, intentional rest, and an atmosphere where no one gets lost in the crowd. We want you to leave a Sanctuary Let's Retreat truly rested, refreshed, and restored. These events are designed for the full-time ministry wife to redefine sanctuary as a place of haven and rest. So check out the details on how you can secure a suite at one of this year's two Let's Retreat events by visiting sanctuaryministrywives.com. Click on Let's Retreat.